In this day and age in which we live, we are more convinced the imminent return of the Lord is just that much more imminent than it's ever been in the past. And I got to thinking and liking the idea too is that uh, no man or woman wants to have to go off to work having had uh, an argument with a wife and not having made it up, made it right during the daytime and have to come home and wonder if they're going to have to really face the music at that time or not. And so it would be more delightful, would it not, to go to work and come home knowing that there's nothing between. Amen. And uh, with nothing between and that trumpet sounds and the voice says, come on up hither. Question is, are you ready? That's the last moment of time that you want to think, I got to get some things right with God. Stay right with God all along, amen, because you may be standing before him before you know it. Anyway, part two. Uh, got to get your feet wet, amen. Got to get your feet wet. Now, um, the key verse for that uh, was uh, 15 from Joshua chapter 3. And it says, And as they bear the ark, we're, we're come to Jordan. And the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks at the time of harvest. I had mentioned that Peg and I had been two places by the River Jordan when we were over there. And one was a place where John the Baptist was baptized, uh, did, supposedly did his baptism there. And then again, uh, when we went down not very far, it was right on the Jordan border from on one side of Jordan. On one side of the Jordan River was uh, was uh, country Jordan, and the other side was Israel. And so we got to see possibly where the Israelites crossed over. And another preacher that was in the group, and we kind of looked at that and said, you know, you could have waited across that with, a, with no trouble. But we knew what the outstanding was, that the, it was overflowing its banks. So it was like anything else, a lot of hill country, a lot of rains, and a lot of snows melting. Uh, when that stuff comes down off of there, those are rivers that they are torrential uh, torrents of water that come down through there. And so uh, uh, it was going to be quite a, quite a test of faith on the individuals, a faith on the individuals to trust God. But notice that God didn't part the waters before. He said, when the priest bearing the ark step into the brim or the shoreline, then he said God would part the waters. And so we left off last week looking at Joshua chapter 3 as a, a prompter to, uh, to our looking at the new year of 2024. Several of the commonalities between the two were this. Israel was about to enter the promised land, a land that had not that they had not been into before. And we're coming into 24. We have not been, now we've marked already about 14 days into it, and it's been pretty good so far, uh, for some of us anyway, probably. But uh, who knows what the rest of the year is going to hold for us down the line. But nonetheless, uh, God has walked this year already before us. He already knows individually what we're going to encounter and what he wants us to encounter and how he wants us to handle it for sure. And uh, so that's why it's always good to just, you know, walk with the Lord. And then secondly, we said that they, they only had God's promises that, that he would enable them to do wonders. Now, there was a condition to do the wonders. They had to sanctify themselves first. He said sanctify themselves because he said tomorrow I am going to do wonders. And it's going to make the people in the, in the, in the land of Canaan uh, astounded. And they were astounded because remember the two spies that were in there uh, were hidden by them. And they said, you know what, the, the uh, people in this land 
uh, tremble. They're, they fear for you because they know your God is with you. What did, what, how different that would be if people would just know that God was with us. And, and it, was, it, was, it was just evident in, in our daily walk. But thirdly, God had expectations of them as he has of us as we enter into this year of 2024. There are things that God wants us to accomplish. There are God, things that God wants us to do. And we're in a way we're going to say, well, you know, I'm just so tired or I don't feel good or I can't do this and I can't do that. Well, listen, if God has expectations of you, step up to the plate. He will determine whether you can or you can't. Amen? He will provide you energy, not before, but sometimes you just have to step up, get up, go, move, do, and it's amazing what God will do. So the two points uh, from last week's message were God's exhortations in verses 3 and 4, which we defined as meaning instructions, or more at hand is the idea of an address or communication, emphatically urging someone to do something. And the, 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 uh, that was to, for them to sanctify themselves. So that's your work. Now, God has given us through the scriptures all that we need to do to sanctify ourselves. In fact, that was part of the Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17. In verse 17, he said, uh, Father, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not in your Bible on a regular basis, you will never be sanctified. You can be saved without being sanctified. Progressive sanctification is being in the Word of God, meditating and studying in the Word of God so that you can grow and that God can use us. Secondly, God's expectation was verse 5. Many believers have this idea that how we choose to live our lives has no bearing on what God can do in and through our lives. Well, you're lying to yourself and the devil's helping you to, to cultivate that lie. God can work however he chooses, how he chooses, with whomever he chooses, but when God gives specific instructions, he also supplies his expectations of us in those instructions. Which brings us to the introduction. God's objective for Israel was not only to lead and give them the promised land. It was also God's plan that Israel would glorify and would magnify him because he was going to enable Israel to do something beyond human capability. And that's what we were talking about when he said the wonders. The guy said, uh, sanctify themselves because he's going to do wonders. That whole concept there was that, that uh, they were going to be able to do things that were not just naturally human. Human beings could not do those things. They could not accomplish those things. And so it would be to magnify God. And wh why was Moses kept out of the promised land? Anybody remember why he was kept out of the promised land? He and Aaron, because they failed to magnify and glorify the Lord. And God wanted Israel to go into that land and he wanted to be magnified. If you don't know why that, as you go through the book of De Deuteronomy, there's a couple portions of scripture there that are important for you to understand why God wanted to clean out that land. And it was because the sin was exceedingly gross and egregious, human sacrifices, infant sacrifices, all manner of godliness was in there and God was going to clean them out by bringing in a godly people that would magnify and glorify him. So that was God's objective. And he was going to enable Israel to do something beyond human capability. Because he said, tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Things are just not normally humanly possible. So God's command to them was to sanctify themselves as a prerequisite to doing supernatural things through Israel. Now, maybe you're wondering why God does certain things in some people's lives that he doesn't do in your life. Maybe you need to get along with them and see if, if, if they're spending the amount of time they need to spend in the, in the Word of God, gleaning from the Word of God, the things that God expects them to do, and then they go do those things. And so God's able to use them and bless them in that process more so than those who don't. I mean, teachers just don't give out A's. Maybe they do nowadays. I don't know. But back in the day, the teachers didn't give you an A for effort. 
<laughs> they gave you an A because you worked hard and you deserved an A. Amen? Well, Christians want God to give them an A, but they do little or nothing along the way. And that's just not how it works. And so they had to sanctify themselves in order to be able to prepare themselves to be used of God in a great and wonderful way. So, Father, guide and direct as we look to the remaining couple of points this morning. Lord, you guide, you direct, meet the needs, whether here in the house of the Lord or those who have gathered with us online today. Lord, we know that your spirit knows no bounds. And so, Father, we're looking forward to uh, the Holy Spirit of God doing great things because we have a great God. And we have an infallible word in which we can, can, can follow. So, Lord, you guide, you direct, whether it's to salvation or to rededication. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, step number three would be, uh, would be to know God's encouragement. Uh, sometimes we get very distraught because it doesn't seem like God, God is, is working with us or God's using us or God's blessing us in one way or another. So verse 7 from chapter 3 of Joshua said, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day I will begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Now, switching leadership isn't always easy. Now, someday, at some point here at Calvary, you're going to have to change leadership. And that's just a given. Preachers can only stay so long or before God says, you know, it's time for you to come home. I'm going to bring you home. Or whatever, whatever the reason might be along the way here. Uh, but, uh, uh, of course, I have asked, I said, God, if you're going to remove me because of sin, wrap me around a telephone pole before it ever happens. Anyway, somewhere along the line. So, but anyway, uh, leadership, it isn't always easy. And I've been around long enough to see leadership such as, uh, whether it was Tom Malone out of Pontiac, Michigan, when he uh, resigned and uh, stepped down from his leadership there. And same thing with Dr. Jack Hiles and some of these other really men of God that I've known over the years. Not on a personal level, but I've known them because I've heard them uh, preach uh, and, and have been abreast of their ministries for many years and so on. It's always been hard to transition from, from that kind of leadership. I mean, when you have done funerals and you have done weddings and you've prayed with people and you've counseled with people and, 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 and God's used you as, as an instrument to, to bring uh, the, the peace that passes understanding or to provide the kind of direction that comes from out of the Word of God there, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not easy to kind of walk away. And it's it's not easy for them to turn over to another pastor who doesn't really know who they are. Uh, when we've been here long enough, no, we know extended, extended family uh, family members from different townships and over the years, but we've known them. They've been here with one region or another, and it's always been a blessing in Peg Dwight to be able to get to know extended family members and so on, but it has been. But it's not easy to change over leadership. It's not easy to accept the new leadership. And so uh, there was no doubt that God had chosen Moses to lead Israel from the get-go. Called him from out in the wilderness, and uh, Moses was about the age of 80. So I'm, I'm, I'm in good company. <laughs> I'm in 80, and if, if God could call him from the, from the desert at the age of 80 to go down to the, you know, uh, you know what I'm, well, anyway. So Korah was Moses' cousin, and it appears that he was obvious of the, uh, of the authority that God had invested in Moses. He didn't like it. He wanted, to, he wanted Moses to share something. He said, who are you to take all this upon your shoulders? Are we not a holy people? And they were a holy people. But it didn't make any difference. God hadn't called Korah and Dathan to the leadership. God had appointed and he had called Moses and Aaron. And he had proved over and over and over again that these were the two men that God had called. But, you know, some people, they, they got to put their oars in the water. So anyway, Korah and about 250 men challenged Moses' leadership, which ultimately was an affront to God. Anytime you attack, and that's why David would not, I mean, he had a couple of opportunities to, to take Saul and take him out of the picture altogether. He would not. He said, God anointed him, and I am not going to take him out. God anointed him, God's going to have to take him out. And God did just that. And I believe that God really honored David for David's patience as well, but also the fact that he allowed God to do that. But anyway, um, 
Moses' leadership was challenged, and God made it very clear to all of Israel that Moses was the man that he chose to lead Israel. And you can read about that in Exodus chapter 7 as well as Numbers chapter 16. God made it very, very clear that anytime anybody challenged, you know what, even Aaron and Miriam challenged his leadership. It didn't bode well for them for, for, for about a week or so. And they had, and all because he had taken and married an Ethiopian woman, and they didn't think that was right. They didn't like that idea. And uh, God called all three of them, brought them out, and uh, he chided Miriam and Aaron for uh, beating up on their brother, so to speak. Because uh, anyway, uh, Miriam ended up with leprosy, and uh, she had to sit outside the camp for a whole week and before she could come back in again into the camp. But he had to deal with that. So be careful about challenging God's authority wherever it might be. Be very careful. Uh, God takes it personally when his wisdom is cho in choosing leaders is challenged, especially when envy or jealousy or personal dislike is behind the confrontation, and sometimes that happens. Now, we've been, people have been gracious, they didn't like my leadership, so they've left. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, it isn't that we didn't stay in contact or meet each other because it's a small community here, and you, you meet each other, and uh, you hope you, you're able to be amicable in the, in the process, and we have always been that way. Uh, and, it's, and we love the people, even though they might have left for reasons there. They didn't like certain things about how, how I handled things or did things, and so uh, they up and left. Uh, he, one time tried to push me out, but that didn't work too well. I'm, I'm like an ox at some point in time. You can't move me if God's not moving me. But anyway, God was going to make sure that all Israel knew that Joshua was his man for the task that lay ahead in conquering the promised land. I wouldn't have wanted that job. I wouldn't have wanted that task. Moses didn't want it in the, in the first place. But God said, you're the man. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. And so what greater confidence can one possibly garner than God's call and promise to have your back? Amen? I will not leave you nor forsake you. So no matter how hot it might get, as far as circumstances may, may dictate, he's right there. No matter how intense the trial, no matter how intense whatever it is you're going through, the Lord says, I am with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. He invites us to cast all your care upon him. It's nice to know that someone's got your back. And so it wasn't going to be easy. The battle's intense. The enemy formidable. The challenges would be monumental. And not everyone was going to be a happy camper. <laughs> That's usually the way it is in any ministry. Whether it is in the Christian home or the church, godly leadership would be challenging and challenged by the carnal members of the home. That's just a given. It's always going to be challenged. So when I speak of leadership, we need to be careful that we don't abuse that responsibility either. Because I've known men who have abused it. They've used that as a club to beat family members over the head. I'm the boss. You'll do what I say. Jump when I tell you to jump. Sit when I tell you to sit. This, that. Boom, 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 boom. While they go and do something else altogether different contrary. Folks, if you're going to be a leader, you better walk the talk, and you better be able to talk the walk. Amen? There has got to be something in our lives that would cause others to want to desire and to crave what it is that we have in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. And so, when I speak of leadership, we're talking about the responsibility is going to be abused or not, not, not liked at all. So biblical leadership is about reflecting the love and care that God has for his people. Isn't that, isn't that what it's all about? Leadership is about being able to reflect the character 
and the leadership and the love that God has. How many of you would say because God came down here with a club and beat you into it? <laughs> Some of us needed that. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, he didn't, he didn't pin you in a corner somewhere and, and wrestle you to the ground and say, you better get saved or else. No, someone who cared about you, someone who loved you, someone who cared enough to be able to share the love of Christ with you, brought you to a saving, brought you to that place where you saw the scripture. It's the Holy Spirit that brings us to a saving knowledge. Uh, let's look at very quick at Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, you know, when I do any kind of premarital counseling, I love, I think marital counseling works well too. Uh, but in, in Ephesians chapter 5, and those who have gone through my counseling classes, just sit tight. It'll be old, old, it won't be new, old news. But anyway, um, I always preface it with verse 18 of chapter 5. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is what? But be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. I think we're old enough and mature enough to understand the analogy of what strong drink does to us. It does, it, it, I don't care. You may say, well, I can handle it. You've gotten used to the effects. The truth of the matter is, one glass of beer attacks your brain cells. It attacks them. And if you're like me, I don't have, have that many to attack. <laughs> I gotta keep what I've got and I gotta keep them intact. And so, I mean, Ephesians chapter 5, so be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. You move on down into verse 25, and it says, Husbands! <laughs> Don't you love that? Husbands, love your wives. That's agape. It's in the present tense, active voice, and it is imperative mood. <laughs> God's in. I'm commanding you to do this, man. Husbands, love your wives. Not if they make it easy. But husbands, love your wives. And then he gives us an example. Even as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Now, when you look at that word gave himself, that was his sacrifice. He, gave, he sacrificed himself for you as an individual. So husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church. And verse 26 says uh, uh, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be uh, holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own what? As their own bodies. He that loveth his, his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but, worship, but uh, nourisheth it and cherisheth it, it even as the Lord the church. And he jumps down and he says, uh, uh, verse 32, So this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in verse 33, you, uh, uh, one of you in, in particular, so love, again, that the word agape, past, uh, present tense, active voice, and it's in the imperative mood, again, so love his wife even as himself. We're commanded to do so. And the wife see that she reverence. That word literally means, and it's in the, it's in the uh, uh, present tense, active voice, but it's subjunctive. That's a little bit different because it means it's in the realm of possibility. If a wife is willing to surrender her life to the Lord, and I, and I, and I believe that the, the verse that really bears it out is, is over in First Peter, which we'll look at in a little bit. But 
This is something that a woman wants to do because that's what God wants her to do. That's not easy to do for someone who actually is saved, let alone someone who is unsaved. That's why I, I am literally refused to marry someone, or not marry someone, I already married someone. Thanks uh, that she was saved too. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when I officiate at a wedding, or they, they seek me to, to officiate, I want to make sure that both of them are saved, not just one. Both are saved. Otherwise, I will not do it. So the goal of godly leadership is for others to see God at work in the life of his leaders. One doesn't have to be an appointed leader to manifest the anointing that every believer has a responsibility to live yielded lives so that it is clear it is God at work, working his plan in and through our lives. That's what God wants the world to see. And so that's why you have John the Baptist. We're going over to cover that next, next week in Sunday school. That's why John the Baptist, he wore uh, camel's hair for his clothing. And he ate, he ate locusts and honey for his food. Gross. I love the honey. I'd give him all the locusts he could eat. I don't think I'd touch him. But step number four, and very quickly here, step number four is know God's empowerment. So first of all, know God's encouragement. He said, I'll not leave you nor forsake you. He never abandons you when he calls you. He will support you every step of the way. may not be easy, but he's there. Step number four, God's know God's encouragement. Uh, verses uh, 8 through 12. We'll look at those very quickly here. Beginning in verse 8. And it says, uh, And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Now, I don't know about you, but he parted that. So you've got waters up here, but the waters down here have diminished. And they have to stand there with the ark of the covenant while all the other people go through on dry land and the waters. <laughs> I wonder how many of those priests kept looking up. Holding that thing up there, looking up and looking up. Whew. I mean, that would have been just the Red Sea alone. Amazing. What an amazing God we have. Amen. And so, uh, as I continue to read on here, uh, you should stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he, that he will without drive... Uh, fail, he, will, he will without fail drive you, uh, drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. It's a lot of people. And in verse 12, uh, 11 says, And behold, the ark of the covenant, the Lord of all the earth, passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man. So God never calls us, but he provides the power when and where he needs it for us to, to, to exercise. The first thing we need to do is to listen. Verse 9 says what? Come hither and hear the word of the Lord. Glossing over it, for God saw the word of the Lord, and then you have my devotion for the day and I've done the road. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. Folks, you have to have something of which the Lord to speak to you with. And uh, we need to be in the Word of God. And that's why I, I, I mention it so often. That's why I try to encourage uh, daily readings as well as meditation and so on. And, and that will at least help you. Maybe you don't know how to meditate. 
And, and this Bible pathways will help you to be able to, to, to learn to, to meditate, to give you some meditating skills as he kind of leads you through on the reading of that. And it, I believe it's going to be a real blessing for you this year. And it'll make you reading the Bible a whole lot more fun because all of a sudden you begin to look at things. And if you can take a trip to Israel, that'll help too. Because then you can look back and say, okay, yeah, hey, I, I, I had a picture on the back of the, uh, on, on the back of the adult Sunday school lesson for next week. And it shows where the people in Israel, uh, where, where when we were there, it was a place, quote unquote, where John the Baptist was supposed to baptize the people. And someone in our group got baptized. I said, I've been baptized once. Uh, for my, after my salvation, I was baptized. And uh, so um, it was an interesting picture. Where that, where that all took place, right, right in that whole area there. But you know, being able to put things together vi visually and mentally, uh, it just kind of brings your Bible reading to life again. But you got to, you know, it, how many of you like to start a new job? How many of you like to have to get used to the nuances of the new job? The, the company procedures, maybe the, the, the department procedures, and you have to learn all that stuff. I hated that with a passion. But boy, didn't it feel good when you had it all under your belt? I mean, you come in here and you go whiz, 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 and do all the things that you, you knew you needed to do. Well, it, it's the same way. We had to put our time in the Word of God, the reading and the meditation. Uh, I can pronounce many of these names without having to think about them altogether too much because, you know, when you've been reading the Bible for 50 years from cover to cover, you begin to learn these things. And you begin to begin to put two plus two together, and the puzzle begins to come together a little bit. Now, we could probably live a bazillion lifetimes and, and, and still find ourselves doing the same thing, bringing it all together. But you've got to spend some time. You've got to spend some time doing that. And so the second thing to know is that God will give us the boldness and the power we need to overcome whatever obstacles Satan places in front of us. Not always in advance, but sometimes it's not until you open your mouth. See, it wasn't until the, the, the priests carrying the ark, their feet touched and they stepped into the brim that the waters parted. Well, you know what, God, you part those waters and we'll, what you got? we'll go right through real quick. No, that's not how it was going to work. Priests, carrying the ark, put your feet in. I will part the waters. Sometimes we have to get our feet wet. We have to take that step. We have to take that initial open our mouths and speak a word or give them that track. And so we typically want to know all in advance what God's plans are and how they will play out in our lives. But we have to look at the relationship of verse 9 to verse 10. 10 would not take place if they didn't do verse 9. God is a very chronological God. He works, he does everything decently and in order. And so he says, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you. How many of you gone through the day and wondered where God was? You left him in the prayer closet when you left home? I mean, you left him in the prayer closet because you walked around by the prayer closet and went right out the door and went off to work somewhere? You didn't spend that time with him? God, where are you? I'm out here on a limb. Where are you? And he said, I'm back here. Why'd you get ahead of me? And that's what we had mentioned last week. Do not get ahead of God. Let God lead. Let God be your guide. And you do the following. And so, verse 10 says, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you. And some, how many have gone to churches and it seemed like, boy, there was cold? I mean, you can have the thermostat up to 90 degrees, it still felt so cold. So indifferent. Because the Spirit of the Lord was not there. And so, being right with God is always the biggest confidence builder in trusting God. 
being right with him. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Can two walk together except they be what? Agreed. And that's not trying to bring God down and argue with him so he agrees with you. It's being in the word of God so that when you throw, you and I throw up our foolishness up to him, he kind of shakes his head and, yeah, we have to agree. Okay, yeah, we were really off on that one. <laughs> Can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos was a minor prophet, but it was at a time when Israel really needed to hear from God concerning their relationship. And so step number five as we close. Know God's earnest. Joshua chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan. Now the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they that bear the ark <clears throat> were come un un unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were di dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all its banks all that time of year, that the waters which came from above stood and rose up on and heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zeratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. So God wants us to know that we can always count on him to keep his promises. Amen? He wants us to know that. God has never, ever broken a promise to you or to me. Never. I have not been faithful, but God has always been faithful. Verse 13, it says, As soon, not a minute earlier, not a minute later. They didn't have to wander up to the knees and say, I wonder if, I wonder if he's going to do what he said he's going to do. They didn't have to wonder that. And they might have said, Boy, you know, God, it really, it really would be nice if you'd part the seas first. No, he said, As soon. So the idea is that as soon as we take the steps that God has called us to take, and we take that first step in movement, then we sense, okay, God, I feel your presence with me. So not a minute earlier or a minute later, the overflowing, deeper than usual, swift-moving river of Jordan is going to part the emperor from the lower, and a safe passage will appear. Wow! Talk about a powerful earnest. Hey, God did what he said he was going to do. We ought not to be amazed. We are, we are often, you've touched me and said, you know, I prayed about this and, wow, God answered. <laughs> I can't believe that God answered my prayer. Well, what did you pray it for? I mean, it always stands to reason that we've got to learn to pray and trust. And if God, like, like, like he told the, uh, to uh, Paul, he said, I'm not going to heal you. Paul asked him a second, I'm not going to heal you. A third, I'm not going to heal you. And Paul says, yeah, my, your grace is, is sufficient for me. But we have got to learn that, listen, if we're going to ask God something, trust him. In his time, he will answer yes or no or wait. Be patient, one or the other. And so for those who remembered and those who had heard of the parting of the Red Sea were about to witness with, eye, with eyes wide open the power of God and the earnest of God. He said, I'm going to get you another promise. I'm going to get you another promised land. And he got them there. So this incident was the earnest of the promise of God that he would give Israel the promised land. And you just have to know the confidence this gave to all of Israel when that, when that Jordan River parted. And they all marched through on dry land. They must have had a party that night on the other side.
hooping and hollering and praising the Lord. When God answers our prayers, get excited. Tell everybody, but get excited. So, we've all heard about in several chapters of Joshua are meant to encourage even us in our service for the Lord. God has given us the earnest of the word of God. What a precious word of God. I heard a preacher say this morning, everybody pretty much agrees that this word shouldn't be there. I turned channels. I said, what kind of a nut case are you? Was God taking a nap? Was God out to lunch when they, when they, when they uh, put that word in there? How little confidence this generation has in the men that God chose and the, God, the men that God ordained in that book. We can't go through life questioning it. I'm not going to question it because then you have questions. And if you have questions, are you going to believe everything in the Word of God? No. My God took that task upon himself to make sure that he had the right man in the right place at the right time for the various generations to have the right word of God. And so, the Bible is our earnest. But you know, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit of God is also the earnest. He's the earnest of the down payment. And we are commanded in the word of God, Ephesians 4.30, it says what? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of what? It's getting close. That day of redemption. Now, I've been saved, yes. But I'm not up there. I'm not up in heaven. And, and you know, I can, have, I can have a garage full of nickel bottles. Doesn't do me a bit of good if they're sitting in the garage, does it? But they're worth a nickel. And if I can take a bucket full of them, I can come out of there with $10 or $15. Would I, do? I just redeemed them. Listen, Christ has paid the penalty. Christ has paid the price. He gave his life. He shed his blood. So that all who would believe on him could come to a saving faith in the person of Jesus Christ. But he's coming to claim what he paid for. So when you walk out of the store here, you paid a nickel for that bottle. And you can go back and you can get it back. Well, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for you and I, our salvation. And he's coming back to claim what is his. Get excited about it, buddy. It's coming sooner than we think, amen? I couldn't tell you when, but it's, it's, it's a coming. It's a coming. So everything that we need to enter 2024 and be successful and accomplish great things for God in and through our lives is freely given to those who will seek it. The five steps again are know the expectation of God. That which God urges us to do. Know God's, uh, I'm sorry, exhortation. Know God's expectation. Know what God expects from you and me. He has an expectation of us. Know God's encouragement. Know God will always have your back. Fourthly, know God's empowerment. Be still. As Psalm um, 96.3, I think it is. I'm not sure. Anyway, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes that's all we need is just sit down and shut up. Meditate and think and let the Holy Spirit of God speak to us. Be still and know that I am God. Not running around like a chicken with his head cut off. I know it's not a very pretty sight. But fifthly and lastly, know God's earnest. God will provide encouragement 
as we step out. For two years, I talked about going to the ministry. My wife got to the point, she said, you're going to go or you're going to shut up. <laughs> well, she was kinder than that. But, you know, I was scared to death. Here I am, I'm 27, 28. How am I going to keep up with these young kids and coming out of school? And how am I going to study and keep up with all this stuff? I, I had no confidence whatsoever that I'd ever make it through Bible college. None. But we finally quit my job, sold everything we had, went off to Bible college, followed God's leadership. I made it through Bible college. <laughs> so God is a great God. Amen. Amen. Sometimes all we need to, do is, need to do is just step out. Find out what he expects us to do, then you step out and you do it. You can't go wrong. Father, we thank you for this time that we can be together. How precious and convicting is your word. How challenging. How forthright. Lord, sometimes we bulk at the expectations because we fail to see all that you have given to us that will enable us to accomplish those expectations. You've given to us your word. You've given to us the Holy Spirit of God. You've given us a place for wisdom, and not just wisdom as man would see it, but divine wisdom and divine knowledge. Lord, you have given us all the tools that we need to step out. Now, Lord, it may not be full-time ministry, but we can certainly be full-time ambassadors wherever it is that you've called us, to our workplaces, to our neighborhoods, and our communities. All these things we can do. So, Lord, we just pray that you'll guide and direct. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And at home, I hope, you, I hope that you'll take seriously the things that we've said the last couple of weeks. We say, preacher, I want 2024 to be magnificent, more so than 2023. Maybe you're thinking that 2023 was a good year. Then you turn around and you say, you know what, Pastor? I want 2024 to be a great year for God in my life, in my home, in my family. Preacher, would you pray for me in closing? It's going to take some work, folks. It's not going to, you can't just sit on a chair somewhere and, and, and hope it happens. You're going to have to get in the Word of God and you've got to spend some time meditating and studying. You might have to give up a few things that you, you would rather do. But what says love more than giving up something that you, you, you love and to give it up for the Lord so, so that you learn to love Him? You would think, listen, if He was willing to sacrifice Himself on the cross of Calvary, can't we give up a little of this and give up a little of that so we can have a little more time with God? I think so. I know so. I know so. How important that is for us to make a choice, a consciousness. You know what? God is going to be, God couldn't be more pleased than for you or I to say, Lord, I want 2024 to be a banner year for you. Lord, you use me. Maybe this morning you're saying, Preacher, I'm, I'm not even sure if I've got a home in heaven. I don't, know, I don't know if I die where I'm going to spend eternity. Don't walk out of here and not know for sure. Or, or, or don't close off your internet uh, w without knowing for sure. Because we can know beyond any shadow of a doubt that if we were to breathe our last breath, our, our, the next breath would be in eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Preach your prayer for me this morning. Pray with, for me with these others today. Would you pray for me today? Well, Father, we thank you for this time that we could be together and Lord, if there is one who still has questions, and Lord, give them the boldness to either check in with myself or Brother Steve and, or with our, with our wives, and Lord, that uh, we sit down and, and, and talk with them and share with them from the Word of God. We'd love to do that. 
So Lord, won't you guide, won't you direct and, and meet the hour of this need? And Lord, as we all should desire and we should all crave, and, and, and I believe that many of us, if not all of us do, that 2024 is going to be a fantastic year for the Lord in spite of the way the world's looking, in spite of the way things are going on the, on the, on the national level here in, in the United States as well. Lord, we still have you. We've always had you. And Lord, you have always had us. And we rest in that to this day. So, Lord, won't you guide and direct and bless the food we're about to participate in this, this uh, afternoon. And be with Brother Steve, that you'll anoint him and fill him with your spirit as he presents the afternoon message. And so now, Father, we pray that you dismiss us with thy blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And all God's people say, Amen. 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 I've got the sign-up sheet up here if anybody wants to sign up or circle.